Welcome to the WSPD Briefing Room, the official podcast of the White Settlement Texas Police Department, dedicated to enhancing transparency and community trust, including true crime stories, case updates where you can help solve crimes, and educational information on what we do. And now here's your host, Chief of Police, Christopher Cook. Welcome to this edition of the WSPD Briefing Room. You know, I can't believe it's already November. The holidays are upon us. Thanksgiving literally right around the corner. And we certainly have a lot to be thankful for. In today's podcast, we're going to focus on training and not just any type of training. We're going to talk about our firearms training. And to help me do just that, I have a familiar voice in our studio, Sergeant James Stewart, who serves as the team lead on our firearms team. Welcome, James, to the show. Hey, Chief. Great to be here. James, tell our viewers a little bit about you, what your role is in the department, and how long you've been doing the firearm stuff. Current roles are one of the daytime patrol sergeants. I've been involved in firearms all my life, became a firearm instructor when I was in the Navy, and then carried it over into police world, so probably about to right at 25 years. And firearms, you know, this is an area that we spend a lot of time on as far as training, rightly so. You know, I always remind officers that we're accountable for every round that leaves our weapon. And while no officer ever wants to be involved in a shooting, as part of our oath to protect and serve, we do have to confront evil at times. And oftentimes, that evil might manifest itself that necessitates deadly force. Yeah, the world definitely has a lot of challenges right now. And as officers, we have to be prepared to act in the event that the unthinkable happens. Y'all just ran a uh, call earlier, right? Um, what, What was that call? Yeah, about 30 minutes ago, a person that showed up at a current boyfriend's house, and he was armed with a shotgun, a rifle, and a pistol. And that went down very well and came had a very good outcome, fortunately for everybody involved. And he's in custody right now. So when you respond to a weapons call like that, let our viewers know, I mean, you don't just walk up to a call like that with your handgun in your holster. How do you... No, well, everybody jumped out, especially once we had him on view, drew down on him, gave him verbal commands. He, Fortunately, in this situation, he complied with verbal commands, laid the weapons down, and we were able to take him into custody with no incident. But yeah, we came at him from two different sides. We had a good team coordination, the way we approached, and everything went as well as you could hope for in a situation like that. Yeah, you know, as you alluded to, the world definitely is a different time and place right now, and We certainly have to be prepared to act, and that's entirely accurate. So tell our community about how many weapons and what types of guns do officers carry as they patrol our city and respond to various incidents that might require the use of a firearm, not only to protect our officers, but also protect innocent third parties. Primary duty weapons that we carry, as specifically as it applies to firearms, is we carry a Glock Model 45 9mm, we have AR-style rifles in, chambered in 5.56, and then we have 12-gauge, less lethal shotguns. So since my appointment as chief, I really wanted to standardize our pistol configuration that officers carry, and we did a lot of research. We evaluated a lot of different handgun platforms, and ultimately, as you alluded to, we settled on the 9mm Glock 45 MOS. Kind of describe to someone that may not understand firearms, you know, that what that platform is and how it operates. Well, the Glock 45 is just a, it's a 9mm 
Glock handgun, every you know, Glock is synonymous with handguns worldwide now. 45 in particular, it's a little bit smaller barrel length, so it makes it a little bit easier to wield, especially if you're inside of a vehicle, but it's on a full-size frame. The 9mm cartridge is the most prominent handgun cartridge across the world. So especially when it comes to training, it makes it a lot easier to get ammo than having, you know, some of the other calibers. And it is the most prominent handgun caliber in law enforcement. Why do you think that 9mm is kind of the the go-to round for police agencies? As I mentioned, a lot of it has to do with the fact that the accessibility to it has been around for well over 100 years now. As technologies change, they've got ballistics better now different ways of bonding the bullets together so they don't come apart and they retain their mass. Everybody was able to go back to the 9mm, which does give you a higher capacity in your handgun, and they're a little bit lighter as far as weight, too. What does capacity mean, and why is that important? How many rounds you have in your magazine. The Glock 45 comes standard with a 17-round magazine. You can add extension if you want to to it, but all of our officers carry 17 rounds in their magazine, plus one in the chamber, ready to go, and then uh, at least two more 17-round magazines. So they have 52 rounds on them whenever they hit the street minimum. We also transitioned to pistol-mounted lights, and furthermore, we added red dots, as they're commonly referred to, which are designed to increase accuracy and also place the officer in a more advantageous position when seconds count. And officers need to have full awareness on what's going on around them as it relates to a potential threat picture that they're facing. Yeah, we've had weapon-mounted lights for a lot of years. We changed this particular light we went with because it was a little bit smaller, but just as bright as you know, technology changes and stuff like that, you can get a lot more in a smaller package. So it's a smaller in size as well as weight, uses one battery instead of two, longer battery life, etc. So that's not a real big change. The biggest change, though, was the adaptation of the RMR, which is a ruggedized miniaturized reflex sight, is the fancy word for saying red dot. The advantages of red dot pistols are just, it's, it's crazy. They've been around for a long time. They started in competition, but they were much larger. They were unwieldy didn't make holsters for them, you know, that were conducive to law enforcement. But as times change again, there's been lots of, you know, it's been the fastest growing trend in law enforcement firearm training in the last five years. Five years ago, you would have seen maybe specialized units like SWAT teams having them on their handguns. But now I think, I don't know of any agency that isn't carrying them or at least authorizing them. What they do for you is the biggest thing they do is they completely change the way you focus on a target. For as long as man's been around, everything we've ever done from throwing a ball to a spear has been threat focused or target focused. You look where you're gonna throw. When you were shooting traditional iron sights on a handgun, you would have to do a three focal plane. You had to look at your front sight, your rear sight, and your target, and ultimately switch back to your front sight before you depressed your trigger. The red dot, you still remain target focused, which allows you to keep both of your eyes open. You just superimpose the dot on your threat or your target. And just by having both eyes open, you're literally doubling your field of vision. The big thing with it is it does, uh, one of the big selling points is that it can prevent what's called mistake effect shooting. That's thinking one thing and it being something entirely different. And by using the red dot sight and having both eyes open and being threat focused can significantly alleviate that possibility. Yeah, a lot of research, a lot of training went into it. You know, we spent a lot of time on the range, and for those of you listening that didn't know, we use Texas Tactical. It's a little bit of a drive for our team. It's in Weatherford, but it's about as close to reality-based training as it gets because it's outside, in the elements, in the weather, it's dusty, you know, the typical environment that our police officers operate in. Yeah, we've been going to Texas Tactical for right at 20 years now. We started using it, I want to say, in 2007 on a regular basis. And 
It is a drive, but again, it is, as you said, it's outdoors. When it's hot, it's really hot. When it's cold, it's really cold. And that's conducive to what we work in. Plus, it's not a level indoor concrete range. I mean, we're out there on the dirt, stepping on brass, rocks. I mean, it's relatively smooth, but it's a lot more like, you know, working on the streets or, you know, in yards and the way we really do. Plus, we have the ability there to shoot 270 degrees. Instead of just shooting down range, we can move ourselves. We can take vehicles out there. We've done a lot of that kind of training over the years. And we can actually set up true scenario-based things by building walls and rooms. Qualification, you know, we have to do that every year to meet the T-Cole standard. But when we're actually training, that's when they're actually getting the value and the things that are going to potentially save their lives and the lives of their citizens. As with any new platform or technology, in this case, the new Glock handguns, as you described, the pistol-mounted flashlights and the red dot sighting system, we also had to transition to a new holster. Talk about the training that hones into the entire weapon ecosystem. The new holster wasn't a whole lot different than our previous one. It's obviously shaped different. We stuck with the same brand and a just a newer model that's cut and allows for the carrying of a red dot and the different light. So transitioning to the new holster was actually pretty simple because it's what everybody was used to. But what we did in our transition, it was more just an entire package transition. The biggest problem that officers and anyone who is first encounters a red dot sight on a pistol has is acquiring the dot, especially when you've had you know, thousands or even tens of thousands of rounds like a lot of officers had fired in their career, you're having to learn new muscle memory, learning how to focus on the target instead of your sights and the presentation of the handgun upon the draw. And I was very pleased when we got done with our transition across the board, all the officers, even the ones who weren't super excited about it, were amazed at how well they shot, how much faster they could shoot, and how much faster they could shoot accurately which is the most important. We had several people qualify, shot over our uh, 90%, which would have qualified them for SWAT that had never done that before. We had several people shoot a perfect score that had never done that before too. So that's where the advantages of that really came into play. Now let's shift gears for just a moment. Let's discuss our new rifle program. I'll kick it off from my vantage point as a leader, which was we had several officers carrying their own rifles. Yes, they went through our training course. Yes, they qualify as you alluded to, but essentially... Officers could carry their individually owned rifles within policy, of course. And I kind of wanted to change that paradigm. I, I didn't really like the fact that we didn't provide rifles in the day and age that we operate in and that we're making officers spend their own money. As you know, being prepared for an active shooter, responding to someone or a threat that has rifle capabilities, we really needed to make sure that our officers are certainly prepared, they have the right equipment, and can adequately and successfully deal with any kind of active aggression thrown their way. Yeah, you know, 20 years ago, and when I started this 21 years ago, you know, the standard loadout was a you know 12-gauge shotgun, uh, usually equipped with buckshot, maybe slugs, depending on the agency. And those were, you know, just more of a force multiplier. But law enforcement has always played catch-up with the bad guys. The last 20 years, you've seen a huge paradigm shift in training and in the importance and the realization of the importance of being able to level the playing field, and that's exactly what a rifle does. You know, a lot of people, they see them, they think they look militaristic, or they think that, you know, they're too aggressive. The reality of it is you can't really be too aggressive when you're in a gunfight, you know, when you're trying to protect people, when you're trying to protect yourself. We have had a rifle program for probably about 20 years here. The people that carry them have their own. We do have them in the cars. Again, we know we did a lot of homework on this, on the best rifle platform to position our team. And I also need to highlight the fact that we worked with our crime control prevention district, our city council, mayor, city manager's office, on not only the handgun, but also the rifle procurement. 
And so we're in the stages right now of starting to receive some of the equipment that we've purchased. Talk to us about the rifle platform and, and what we ended up choosing. The rifle we went with, the company we chose to go with is IWIUS. They make very good rifles at a nice price point. They only do direct to law enforcement sales for some of their weapons, which is one of the ones we're getting. We did some test and evaluation on several other different rifles and different other setups and stuff like that in the past year. And this was the one that myself, the firearms team, and the ease of use, the way it can be accessorized, and the price point was a real big selling point for us. And then what type of equipment did we purchase? Uh, what kind of rifle is it? Again, just the, you know, from layman's terms, and then what will be included on the platform? Yeah, the rifle, it's a standard AR platform. It's chambered in 5.56 millimeter. We got a 12 and a half inch barrel version because it makes it a little bit more wieldy. After doing a lot of research and some digging on it, we chose to add suppressors to them. Suppressors, a lot of people, I actually had to educate myself a lot more on them. Everybody knows them as silencers or whatever. They don't really silence the shot of a gun, but what they do is they really negate the concussion that comes out, especially out of a shorter barrel rifle. If you could imagine having to shoot your rifle from inside your vehicle, or being inside of a small enclosed space. If, any, if you've ever shot even a shotgun or handgun, how loud they are, just the concussion alone that comes out. One round fired out of a AR without any hearing protection onto one round will do irreversible hearing damage just because of the decibels. This will lower the decibel level enough. Now, if you're in a closed room, it's still going to hurt, but you're not going to be near the, the long-term damage and stuff like that won't be near an issue. And so from a, a health perspective, that's pretty important for me. So really, we're not buying suppressors to try to sneak around. If somebody in the community thought, well, why would police officers need this? And it also speak to the fact that this is very common in police agencies across America as well. But talk about you know how that really protects, again, from that health-related perspective, where officers who are undergoing training or have to use a rifle in a setting that necessitates deadly force, how it protects them. Sure. The, the whole thing, again, with a suppressor, if you've never been around one, if you stand beside one of these without hearing protection on, you're still going to hear it. I mean, it, it's still loud. You're, the bullet's still coming out at a supersonic speed, so you've still got a supersonic crack associated with it. Uh, the particular suppressor we went with, it's a little bit shorter, so the shorter they are, the louder they're still going to be. But they also contain the gases inside, and that's where the majority of the overpressure comes from. Suppressors have been in use in law enforcement for quite some time, usually on specialized teams, SWAT teams, etc. And they were used to contain the flash from the muzzle directly inside of a can because if they were in a place such as a meth lab, a place with a lot of chemicals, possibly natural gas, if that environment presented itself, it could negate the possibility of an accidental ignition by the flash that comes out. So having the suppressor on there, the long-term effects... Even with hearing protection, hearing protection only lowers, you know, decibels so much. Then you're wearing double hearing protection, then it lowers it even more, but then you get to a point where you almost can't even communicate on the range. So the suppressor is just going to add to that because when we're shooting on the range, we shoot a lot of rifle. Qualification course for the rifle alone is a minimum of 60 rounds. When they go through the patrol rifle training course, I mean, it's at minimum 500 rounds per shooter. So you've got a lot of explosions going on around you. So when we start running those, that's going to really help, and it's going to help alleviate long-term effects, hearing loss, tinnitus, stuff like that, that you will easily come away with after you know a career of shooting a lot, even with hearing protection. And so talking about training, we're getting these new rifles. They're not here yet, but what's going to be involved for our team as we gear up for the new program? 
fortunately, the training forum won't be that hard. It's the same platform as we, everybody's familiar with. It's the one everybody's been trained on. We're looking at probably a one-day training course, which will be a familiarization with the new gun, kind of refamiliarization for those that have been a while since they went through patrol rifle. And then we're going to do just pretty much an afternoon of just zeroing the rifles to that individual officer. Additionally, I didn't cover it before, we got red dot sights for them too, for the rifles, which work differently than the ones on the handgun, but it's the same principle. It allows you to be target focused, acquire targets faster and shoot faster and more accurate. So they're going to get their red dot zeroed for that individual officer, and then we'll be ready to hit the streets with them. So essentially, we're in a great spot. We take firearms training seriously. We've purchased the best handguns and rifles as far as industry best standards for law enforcement. And I, I'm very grateful as a police chief that our city, our department, has really made a positive investment in ensuring our team has the best equipment. Anything you want to add as we uh, end today? Not really. I mean, I love the fact that we're we're moving. We're you know we're not even. I won't even say keeping up with the Joneses. We're starting to set the standard, you know, talking to officers and other agencies, you know, talking to other firearm instructors and just officers. A lot of them are jealous of us. You know, they want to come train with us. We've done that before. More of them want to do that. They love what we're getting. And I think we've, you know, with our training schedule coming up this next year, you know, by being back out of Texas Tactical, we've got some new guns. As long as there aren't any ammo shortages, we're going to be getting out there and getting some good quality training. Yes, for sure. I appreciate you coming on today, the podcast. Hopefully this uh, episode kind of demystifies our firearms training, the guns that officers carry and the, the guns that we keep in our, our vehicles as well. Because again, no officer ever sets out to be involved in a deadly force encounter. Compliance is always what we hope for. But at the end of the day, like we've seen across the country in Allen, Texas, Uvalde, there's so many case examples, and we've even experienced tragedy here in our hometown at one of our local churches that we certainly have to be prepared to act, and we will act. We train to make sure that we get out there and we take care of business to protect the lives of our community. Thank you again, James, for coming on. Thank you, Chief, for having me on. This was great. Thanks for tuning in to the WSPD Briefing Room, bridging the gap between law enforcement and residents one episode at a time. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss a future episode. And for more information, you can check us out online at WSPD.us, on Twitter and YouTube at WSPDTX, on Facebook at White Settlement PD, and on Instagram at White Settlement Police. Thanks again for tuning in, and we'll see you next time.